Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you a rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on this weekend's UFC event. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado. We're coming to y'all just from the close of UFC 281 at Madison Square Garden in New York City, New York, where Alex Pereira dethroned Israel Adesanya to become the new UFC middleweight champion of the world in just his, what? Seventh or eighth? Eighth pro MMA fight. Eighth pro MMA fight. A uh, truly momentous title run to to championship status in the UFC. I mean, I know they were talking on the broadcast of like, oh yeah, you know, well, I guess technically... uh, you know, um, or Anderson Silva did it faster, getting the UFC title in just his second pro or his second UFC fight. But Silva had a whole career before he ever touched foot in the UFC. Yeah, no, oh, this is this paper. this much more parallels Brock Lesnar's run. Brock Lesnar or uh, Chris Weidman, you know, yeah. some of those truly eat Kane Velasquez. Guys who really just started MMA, hit the ground, and were in contention really fast. And they did it, all of them, in these cases, with very successful careers in other combat sports to build off of and make that jump. Yeah, it's this is it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, when we have specialists that'll come into the game and just wreck shop, and it's... it's uh, it's refreshing because it, yeah. you know, there's like this ebb and flow with specialists and then being well-rounded and mm-hmm. and there's always kind of a struggle and a constant changing of the guard. And middleweight just really favors the strikers. <laughs> it is, it's just a, a historically uh, striking friendly division, and it's fantastic. Uh, poor Adesanya, man. I kind of yeah. feel bad for him. I'm not going to lie. He I mean, was he, so close. He was so close. And it's such a, like, it feels like such a mountain. Because we know we've seen Adesanya in other fights. We know how emotionally invested he is in his fights and in the narratives of his fights. You know, we've seen him against Yoel Romero talking about how important it was for him to fight Yoel Romero. We know... You know, going up and trying to fight Jan Blahovich and how, you know, that was going to be like a legacy thing. And he's just a guy who he really seems like he puts a lot of emotional weight in his career. And so, you know, it's just got to hurt really bad to be on the cusp of beating this dude who has beat you twice before, who people have been saying now since the moment he he went over from kickboxing to MMA, Pereira. And when he went from kickboxing to MMA, people were like, oh, is he going to fight Israel Adesanya? He's the Adesanya killer. Can it, you know, if he if he goes to the UFC, can Adesanya ever face, can beat him and face him and all that? And so this has been dogging him. And you get out there, you're up three rounds to one, and you just start getting cracked really hard yeah and, you know he can argue too that like maybe it was stopped a little early in his mind he certainly i would hazard a guess 
that he was just barely a tiny bit less hurt than he looked. Because the reason the ref stopped it when he did is because he was not looking at Pereira. He was looking down at the canvas, trying to move out, you know, sort of drifting out of the way, getting caught with some big shots. But the moment the ref steps in, he pops up and, you know, he's like, oh, no, I'm just trying to, like, duck and dodge. And it's like, yeah, but you take your eyes off your opponent and the ref sees you get hit and they know you're already hurt. They're calling it. There's just no two ways about it. Yeah, I mean, they could have let it go and I would have been fine with that. Um, But I also think it's a justified stoppage. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, he was swaying, but that... That was the vaguest resemblance of intelligently defending yourself. I mean, like, if you take a microscope to it, you might, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, there is a hint of him yeah. defending himself there. But real time, the ref had to make a choice. And, yeah. you know. The ref sees you not looking at your opponent, and they see you sort of doubled over, and they see you get hit. I mean, it was literally two. Pereira hit him again right in the side of the head with a huge right hand. And that was the moment where Adesanya's already not looking at Pereira. Pereira, he's already doubled over. And he got hit in the the side of the head with a huge right hand clean. That's the moment the ref says, okay, I'm jumping in. And you can't fault the ref for that. Like, no, he did his job. Yep. But this is this is deja vu for Adesanya. Yes. He rocks Pereira. Has him hurt at the end of the first staggering. Yep. Call that his standing eight count, if you will. I know. Yeah. And then boom, shits the bed in the fifth round. He had it in the bag. And it's really um his is uh he allowed Pereira to walk him down and back mm-hmm. him up to the cage where he had nowhere to go. And his defense yeah. wasn't tight enough to be doing the things he was did, doing in response to the punches, and prayer just hits too freaking hard. He he hits too freaking hard, and he's. I think one of the big things that really swayed me before the fight to pick Pereira here was he's just so big. Like a lot of what has insulated Adesanya in these kinds of exchanges over his career against guys like. Jared Cannonier against guys like uh, Robert Whitaker and Marvin Vittori is that he has the huge height and reach advantage on these people. You know, he's the one out there skating at range who can pick out a, a low kick, pick out a jab, pick out a one, two and know, Oh, if I slide away, it's going to be really hard for me to be in range for you to hit me. And with Pereira, he's still got his chances to pick at him and to land shots and to be first, but it's just so much harder to slide away and to be out of range of somebody, even in the big octagon in Madison Square Garden. It's just hard to not be in reach of somebody that big. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's tough. It's, it's yeah. definitely tough. Um, I was kind of hoping that we would see, this would be Izzy's... Um, Anderson Silva versus Hendo moment mm. where and we kind of we almost got that you know we yeah. see Adesanya get on top land plenty of ground and pound um I I thought he might have you know pulled out a submission the way it was going yeah if not if not a TKO I mean that uh, I will say not all the parts of Adesanya's ground game did not look that polished 
he doesn't have the Anderson Silva ground and pound, those laser, you know, just like kill shots when he was standing over people. But that wrist control thing he was doing from back from uh, back control, that was really nice. Shout out to Hickman Wrestling, Frank Hickman. Yeah. That's, that's all him right there, George Hickman. That was that was really pretty, and that was giving Pereira fits. He did not know what to do with that wrist control. Yeah, but I mean, Pereira made the adjustments because he didn't let Israel take him down anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the booth even noted, the commentary for this card was all over the place, but one of the things they did note quite well is was really out of sign. It was P- Pereira who really he got he got the ball rolling on that whole takedown uh, moment where he ended up on the ground it was really something he initiated and then got screwed on. So the moment he stopped going for it, Adesanya all on his lonesome going for takedowns did not have the wrestling to to put him on the mat. No, it was a. Man, great effort from Adesanya. He was so yeah. close, um, but Pereira is just uh, his his Alexander Volkanovsky to Adesanya's Max Holloway. Yeah, yeah, it's it was it was a great performance from Pereira, and I mean, yeah, for Adesanya, he, he got right there. He got right up to the edge of beating his great challenge, his great the boogeyman of his career. And didn't, and that sucks for him. But I mean, you know, the, they were talking like, is this going to be an immediate rematch situation? And it, it, you know, with uh, five title defenses under his belt for Adesanya, it's hard to argue that he doesn't deserve it. Yeah, no, instant rematch for sure. However, if I were Alex, I would retire from MMA. <laughs> I would just come in, get the bell from Izzy, and leave, and I'd go box. <laughs> That's what I would do. There you go. I would go get into some, or go back to kickboxing, or, or, or try to go get paid in boxing. Box Jake Paul, I don't care. But oh, you can't be the ultimate. Just <laughs> come in, get the bell from Izzy, and bounce, and not even give him the chance to get it back. Yeah, although he can't retire out of the UFC into another sport, they'd just hold that contract for him in perpetuity. Sure, but uh. Yeah, it, I mean, this this fight had all the drama. It had all the moments. I feel so. It, it feels. Uh, oh, we just just found out. Just our uh, our producer just noted. Apparently, uh, Drake spent uh, put put two million on Adesanya. Eek. So uh, the, the uh, Drake curse is back on for those who thought that it might have been broken. Oh, uh, what a bummer. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this is really. I felt coming in, I was just like, oh, man, you know, Adesanya, there is no eight count in the octagon. If Adesanya hurts Pereira like that, he's going to finish him. There's no, nobody's going to save him. And for that to happen at, like, 4.59 of round two, just, or was that even, yeah. It was the first round. No, that was round one. That was round one, yeah. 4.59 of round one, like, how unlucky can you be for for Adesanya? Because he would have finished Pereira had that had that belt had it not been the end of the round. I mean, you got to feel just as much as he would have finished him in the kickboxing match. Like Pereira was badly hurt. Yeah, it's 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 really something else. Honestly. It is. It's like, hey, Adesanya, uh, 
do you know Kamaru Usman? <laughs> like, why are you taking a page out of his book? He got the fight won. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to ask yourself, is it that he thought he could, co- I mean, because that's the thing. Is Do you think that it was Adesanya thinking he could coast out that fifth round against Pereira? Or do you think it was him? No, because that wasn't him coasting. That was that was him doing the same thing he was doing in, in the other rounds. Uh-huh. Back, backing himself up into into uh, the cage and getting himself into the clinch, but the clinch yeah. wasn't very effective effective for him in the final round. And he actually, when he initially got stung, he started he extended his arm straight out trying to clinch up, and yeah. that's when he really got dinked up. Yeah, it's too bad because the clinch did all right for him early on, and. I mean, honestly, I know he got backed up a bunch in this in this fight, and when he got backed up, he got in trouble. But a lot of the fight, he fought he fought a better fight than I thought he would picking against him, which is that I thought he would be really passive. And Adesanya took a lot of the lead out there, and when he did, it was really effective. He had that big moment in round one. The body kicks, when he threw those, super effective for him. Uh, when he led with his jab, it worked a lot. It's just he couldn't afford to be on the back foot against Pereira as often as he he ended up being. And like that dude just... But the other thing is that, you know, Glover Teixeira really gassed up Pereira going into that final round. So Pereira yeah. knew he needed to come get the knockout. Yeah. So he had that kind of moxie and that kind of you know, I'm coming forward. Like, I don't care what yeah. you're doing, but I'm coming forward. And I think Adesanya felt that. Yeah. And so he conceded to the pressure. Instead of getting in the car crash, he tried to lessen it by backing himself up. But when the cage was there, there was nowhere for him to go. And so, you know, he does that Anderson Silva thing. He's trying to bob and weave. And it just it didn't work out. Someone yeah. hits as hard as Pereira. Those little gloves. I mean, they, that he probably would have got pieced up even if they had the bigger gloves on there. Also, I'll say no, he, he he did before. It's not like we don't know what would have happened had they been in big kick kickboxing gloves. Man, Pereira, the very impressive what he did here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. If you're Pereira, if you're Pereira, I think too. You know, I, I saw some people saying like, "Oh, you know, get, let Izzy go out, get another win. Don't throw him right back in against the guy he's zero and three against in his career." Let Pereira fight one of you know Whitaker or somebody like that. But if you're Pereira, you got to look around and be like, "What is the best money matchup that I can get right now?" And it's a rematch to go fight this dude again with me as champ. A hundred percent. Like this is the fight that people are going to show up to watch again. It was great the first. It was great the third time we've seen it, but um. It'll be, you know, it'll be a thriller the fourth, and it's the most likely high-level fight that anybody's going to pick Pereira to win right now because you match him up with most of the rest of the top ten in the middleweight division, and he's going to be on even odds, you know, for a lot of these dudes. Like, Right. You know? Yeah, because, I mean, the ground game is suspect, very suspect, and you can't ignore that. You can't look at round two of this fight and think, like, if, you know, Derek Brunson fought his way to a title shot, would he get, you know, would he get a chance to wreck shop on Alex Pereira? Yeah. And, you know, somebody like Robert Whitaker or Marvin Vittori, 
they'll definitely take you down. Yeah. So. No, you got to. Well, because yeah. here's why he has to go out of Sonya for his next match. Because even if he loses, there's a rubber match built in. Yeah. An MMA rubber match built in. So it's yep. like, you're going to fight out of Sonya two more times. And who knows? Maybe after that, we'll get him in a, a, a purely no-gi grappling match. And maybe have him do some sambo. Get him in a sumo match. Um, maybe uh, some parcheesy. I don't know. Let's just keep seeing, you know. Who's who's the better sportman? Yeah, I great fight and yeah, Pereira. He's in a position to make a whole UFC career out of fighting Israel Adesanya right now, and it's fun. It'll 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 make for a lot of drama in a division where, you know, at this exact moment, all the top contenders at the in middleweight had been picked over. So, this is the right time to have this marquee uh, feud. You know? Yeah, very exciting. Yep. Crazy fight. Love it. Pereira gets a gets a, a performance of the night bonus for his win. Well-deserved, honestly. Although, I mean, on this card, like, we got so many finishes. Yeah. First-round finishes at that. Yeah, I feel a little bad for Aaron Blanchfield out there. She, <laughs> she, uh, she called her shot. But, uh, you know, when you get the high profile, the big fights delivering the way they did tonight, it's th- those are gonna they're gonna be hard to top when it comes. No, to I mean I forgot Aaron Blanchfield was on this card until you said it. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> there like, was so much excitement after her fight that yeah, I mean, All right. so much meat on the bone. We got to dive into the co-main event here: uh, Zhang Weili, Carla Esparza, and I this. If there was a perfect way for Zhang Weili to fight this fight, this is it. Like this, this fight should be. If you know, I know Rose Namajunas has talked a lot about having made peace with her bout with Carla Esparza. This should be like, you know, somebody walked over her grave. This should dig it all back up again and make her feel terrible about it again because Zhang Weili just went out and fought the exact fight that. Rose Namajunas could have and should have fought and used it to just run Carlos Barza out of the building. Yeah, this was uh, this was like a coming out party for the hips of Wei Li. Mm-hmm. Man, the way she was able to stuff those takedowns and the way she was able to scramble to the back the way she did. Yeah, I mean, was very impressive. She even gave up takedowns, but she just showed like if I'm fearless, if I go out and I fight my fight, I throw my kicks, I throw my punches. I I know Carlos Barza is going to shoot. I know she's going to gra- you know grab onto something and try to take me down. And if I just have the faith that I'm a good enough athlete to roll through it, to fight through it, and to scramble out of things, I will. She's bigger. She's stronger. She's a better athlete. She's faster. She just could. And Carlos Barza, because Carlos Barza got all the wrestling moments she could ask for in this fight, and they did not end up going her way. Yeah, no, it's tough. She uh, once again fails to defend uh, her title at least, at least one time. Yeah, coming up, coming off a victory, a, a title-winning performance over Rose Namajunas, she gets trounced by the very next person to step in the octagon against her once again. With the Katawaki special, no less. <laughs> the back crucifix rear naked choke. It's pretty sweet. That, that was pretty sweet. 
there's a there's a fighter named Hideki Katawaki, and that's like his move. He's hit it several times in competition. Nice. Uh, so yeah, it's a thing. And I mean, it's nothing we haven't seen before. I mean, it's pretty yeah. basic um, to go for the rear naked choke. You can actually finish that position with one arm, and mm-hmm. Whaley tried. Yeah. Um, but as soon as she got that other hand free, it was a wrap. Once she was able to get two hands at the party. As far as it was toast. Yeah. Great fight for Zhang Weili, for Weili Zhang. Probably be fighting Amanda Lamos next. Though on the flip, you know, I said it too before, like, if you're Rose I mean, you should be looking at this fight going like, wow, I could have done that. But you should also be looking at this fight and going, hey, I beat this woman twice. Like, Man, I don't know what Rose thinks. This is my, I know, yeah. We're, we don't want to actually dive too deep into that mind, but... This is, you know, this is this has got to be feeling like her belt is back within her grasp right away because she has beat Weili Zhang and she can probably do it again. But in the meantime, we're going to see Weili Zhang probably defend the belt at least once or get a chance to defend it at least once. Yeah, the uh, the straw weight game of championship hot potato is pretty fun. It is. I love that. I love that. That div- nobody seems to be able to sit on the belt in that division. Yeah, it's it's fun in its own weird way. Absolutely. All right, Zhang uh, winning a position or a performance of the night bonus of her own for that performance as well. That brings us to what was fight of the night, and it's hard to argue against it. Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler in a all-violent, lightweight title fight. No no actual belt on the line, but just a pure, you know, action delight of a battle. The people's main event. The people's main event. Chandler getting big shots in early, looking like he was going to run away with this fight for a little bit, then getting hurt right at the end of the first round, hurt bad enough that he lost that first round. Bad enough that if that first round had had another five seconds in it, he probably would have been done. Oh, yeah. And then, unlike the Michael Chandler we have seen in other fights where he is doing great and loses, he came right back out, or he came right back out and won the second round with pure wrestling and some of the dirtiest fighting I've seen in quite a while. Oh, yeah. He was fish hooking in there and he grabbing was. gloves and trying to do everything in his power Punched to get back that of the win. head he oh, so like many. five straight shots to the back of the head with the ref looking right at him and <laughs> the ref didn't say a damn thing well the the ref did at one point said don't hit the back of the head and then chandler looked at him and then went back to hitting the back of the head <laughs> uh i think that pissed off poirier though yeah yeah. Gave him that extra little gusto to stay he was, there. He, he was mad all the way. He was mad at Tandan all the way through into the post fight. He was giving him an earful. And I mean, deservedly so. Like, you know, we've talked a lot about like uh, Priscilla Cachoeira. Remember when she like tried to eye gouge that opponent on her back? Oh, yeah. That was disgusting. Over her shoulder. And that's like one of those things where you're like, yeah, that's gross and that's bad. But we don't even know if Cashware, like, you know, we, there's a claim to be made that Cashware couldn't see what she was doing. A claim, whether you want to believe it or not. 
Michael Chandler is in. He's on the rear naked choke. He's got the arm around Poirier's neck. He is on Poirier's back. He is going and digging his fingers straight into Poirier's mouth to try and lift his head up. Like that's gritty. That is gr- There is no question what is going on there when you're doing that. Because he did it twice. It's not even a thing like, oh, he tried to do it once. And because we saw it the first time, it's like, oh yeah, I guess that kind of looks like maybe a little fish hook, and I don't know, a little sus. He, he let go. Of the, he lost the arm position right as he tried it, and then you see the second time, you're like, oh wow. No, his whole hand is like forcing his fingers into his mouth to try to rip and lift his head up. Yeah, I mean, no, you got to be in a real primal place to be doing that. Yeah. I mean, so, real primal. I mean, and this was one of the things we talked about a bit on the Vivi going into this week and going into this fight is like, you know, we don't really know what Poirier's fighting for right now. He's fighting, I mean, he's a prize fighter. He's fighting for money. He's fighting for fun and legacy, but like the title shot is kind of, he's had several chances and they keep, it keeps eluding him. Uh, but we know what Michael Chandler was fighting for. Like Michael Chandler is still a hundred percent certain that he is going to be UFC champ someday. And I think that's what we saw here was like Chandler being like, I can't let this go. I cannot lose. I cannot afford to lose this fight. Come hell or high water. No, I mean, he gave it his all. That's he for gave sure. It, all. Uh, it doesn't excuse that kind of foul. No, it doesn't excuse it. But... It just explains it. Yeah, I mean, you you can understand it's yeah. this is fighting after all. That's what I'm saying. It was so primal, such a primal moment. Yeah, um, yeah, just incredibly man. dirty. But, Great uh, fight. That first round was so exciting. That's one of the best yeah. rounds I've ever seen. Just awesome, pure. I mean, both these dudes are exactly. I mean, you can trust them every time to put themselves in danger put themselves in positions where they're going to get hurt, put themselves in position to, to hurt, to do damage, to make their fight happen the way they want it. It was an absolute thrill to watch. And hey, now, now we got to make Dustin Poirier versus Benil Dariush, right? Oh, smokes. Wow. If Poirier would take that fight, yeah. I don't know what fight he's going to take otherwise. He's not going to get a shot at Islam Makachev right now. I mean, maybe. You know, this is prize fighting after all. Yeah. I just... I know Poirier, he's kind of... has a chip on his shoulder. You know, he's paid his dues. Sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he goes from here, honestly. Yeah, I mean that's the difficult spot he's in because like you, th- it's t- it's one of those things too with him where you know you kind of feel like ah he's had some losses he's not really shouldn't be really in contention he he fought the, for the belt against Charles he fought for the belt against Khabib he didn't lo- he didn't win against either of them but those are the only two losses he's had in six years. Yeah, no, I mean I'm perfectly fine with with him getting a tire shot. It's just booked yeah. up right now. Yeah, I mean Volk's fighting for it, and then if you wanted to argue who's got next. It probably wouldn't be Poirier right now. It probably would be, honestly, because Darius just doesn't have the same That's sort true. of uh, draw. He doesn't have the cachet, and he made the core mistake that you should never make as a fighter, which is he got up on the mic and he said, I'll fight 10 more guys if that's what it takes to get me to the title. Which yeah. you'll see, you know, Sean Shelby's there like, all right, I got. I, I can make that. I can make that happen. I got ten dudes. <laughs> right. That's the thing about Darius, though. Like he 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 wants the title, but he doesn't. 
Yeah. There's this weird duality there. Like he wants it. You can you know he wants it, but on yeah. the same token, he's not it's he, not uh at his center. Yeah, he's not making it the focus of his life. He's just Which is probably I mean, probably a good place to be mentally. Yeah, yeah. I mean Chandler's in the rougher spot. He's two and three, and he has made it abundantly clear that like this UFC run is about being champ and nothing else. Yeah, know? and that's why he started at the top. Um, yeah. But his thing is um, he is just not as good of a fighter as the top, top, top. Nope. Uh, and I realized this in the the last time he fought Patricio Pitbull. Like, before the fight, I was analyzing it, and I was trying to think of um, – of who was going to win. And it was actually, I was in the middle of an interview with Mercedes Terrell, uh, Bellator ring girl. And then it just dawned on me. And I was like, Whoa, Patricio is just a better fighter. Like he is just mm-hmm. a better technical fighter. And then from there on out, I was like, if they're a better technical fighter and they can handle athleticism, they'll beat Michael Chandler. Mm-hmm. It's, it is, it is true. I mean, he's, he's every bit an elite athlete at the highest level. But his his striking game has never become really and truly deft. And the biggest thing is that if you put him on the back foot, he gets way out of position. Like, he can still be dangerous. But like you saw against Dustin Poirier here, when Poirier backed him up, like, he suddenly, like, you know, his butt's on the cage. His head is way out over his feet. He's just trying. He, he is not sure how to circle out, which way to go. He's not built for mentally or physically for for moving away from people, you know? Right, right. All of his brain power, all of his his thought processes keyed in on go forward, hurt, not steps back. Right. But when he gets hurt, he backs up. Well, yeah. I mean. Naturally. But, like, look at who he lost to. Charles Oliver, former champ. Justin Gaethje, former interim champ. Dustin Poirier former interim champ. So he only loses to the elite. Oh, the yeah. Elite. Yeah. And Poirier is that. Yep. I don't know who's going to fight now, but uh, I don't like Fiziev or. No. Isn't Fiziev booked? I don't think so. Unless I've. No. In fact, I'm sure he's not because I just went through and, and looked at all the UFC fight bookings uh, out into 2024 or 2023 that have already been announced. So, who did uh, Darius just beat? Uh, Gamrot. That would that would be a good solid fight. Yeah, throw in throw Chandler in there with Gamrot. See what happens. All right, that brings us to the sad moment of the night. Chris Gutierrez, Frankie Edgar. Yeah. I hoped in my heart of hearts that we would see uh, Edgar go out. Get an early takedown, do some wrestling, get tired, get low kicked, and just kind of like skate his way to a decision loss, 29-28, against, you know, not incredibly dangerous, but very technically sound Chris Gutierrez. That was kind of my high watermark hope for this fight. And, um, yeah, this was the sadder thing. My only hope is that Chris Gutierrez goes on to be one of the greatest bantamweights of all time, and this loss doesn't look as bad as it does right now. 
yeah, I don't, I don't know that that's going to happen. I mean, I like Chris Gutierrez. He's got a good, fun, very like hot, good footwork, very uh, evolving. He, he's evolved all of his technical tools to match his mindset, which was always sort of a neutralize, stay away, be an outfighter mindset. But now he's technical enough that he can just do a lot of stuff with that. He's trying to stay away. He's got the good footwork. He's being on his bike, but when he takes his opportunities, those opportunities count. Um, I'm not sure that that'll bring him to the title or not, but it's made him fun in the moment. I think maybe like a fight with uh, Pedro Munoz would be a good next step. Sure. Uh, and I'll say this also, at least Frankie called a shot. Yeah. But at least he said, you know what, after this one, I'm done. Yeah. There was no question. There's no like, oh, is it going to be? Is it not going to be? And if he had any doubts in his mind, this should have put a complete stamp on that. Yeah, he's a man. It sucks, too, man, because it's we see this way more often than anything else. Who just retired on a win? Was it Latifi? Yeah. Yeah. See, we need more of that. Yeah. But, you know, shout out to Edgar for all the memories. And he, one of the greatest of all time, for sure. You know, he'll be in the UFC Hall of Fame. Former UFC lightweight champion. Uh, this this was a 135-pound fight. He was champion at 155 when everyone yeah. thought he was too small uh, and just kept overproducing and overproducing, uh, you know, um, in relation to what everyone thought he was capable of. And then as he moved down, people thought he was done and just, you know, kept showing up, kept fighting. And, yeah. you know, one of the most respectable records you'll find in MMA. Yeah, I mean, even last time out, he, you know, even that loss to Marlon Vera, he still got Marlon Vera down and like won around. You, you know, it yeah. was, it, he, he's been a very good, very competitive high level fighter for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, he's fought everyone. Yeah. I mean, you name it, he's fought him. He even fought Sean Shirk. Yeah, no, I mean, he's been fighting long enough. Like, Gray Maynard has been retired since, like, <laughs> when did Gray Maynard retired in 20, 2018? It actually feels like a lot longer ago than that. Yeah, it does. That's weird. Yeah. But, you know, Frankie Edgar's had... He's fought four years since Gray Maynard retired. He's Man. been he like I mean, his the his title winning fights over BJ Penn feel like a century ago. That was twelve years ago. He won the title off BJ Penn. He has a win over Charles Oliveira. <laughs> yeah, like the dude is is legendary, man. Like look at all the former champions on his resume, BJ. Oliveira, Faber, he WC champ, Aldo. I mean, it's yeah. Max Holloway. It's really just, it's sad to see him go, but at the same time, I'm a little relieved. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's more, it's past time. Yeah. I don't so. need to see this anymore. I'm happy for him. I hope he finds something else good to do in retirement. You know, I hope retirement treats him as well or better than fighting did, and fighting treated him pretty damn well. Well said. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Dan Hooker, Claudio Puella, 
Uh, and yeah, this is the fight I expected to see, which was, I mean, it's weird because I had, I mean, back when he came to the UFC off of Tough Latin America, I didn't think of Puelas as like this, this submission only specialist, like that, that was the only thing he did, you know? He seemed like kind of a, a well-rounded guy who could hit the occasional tricky sub. But in this fight against Hook, like, I don't know if he's pigeonholed over the time himself over the, the past few years or what. Right. But <laughs> he could literally do nothing else against Dan Hooker than roll for leg locks. No, he devolved into Marcin Held. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, spamming him in Ari rolls, got the first one, couldn't make the most of the situation. That was his window of opportunity. Dan Hooker, you know, just made all the right moves on the ground to not get his knee ripped off. And yeah. from there, it was just do his thing, piece up Puelas, let him gas himself out with these desperation takedowns, stay long, stay far away. And uh, yeah. By the time this fight finished, really, it was just a matter of giving Puelas a chance to find a way out. Because, like, I'm sure those body kicks hurt and all that. But we saw literally every fighter on this card take body kicks like those. And by the time Puelas went down with that TKO, it was just, it was the fight of a guy who realized he had no path to wait to victory. You know, well, I, th- I think you're underselling how tired he got from going for those desperation takedowns and having to stand back up. He sure, blew a lot of true. energy yeah. for no reason, especially in that first round. A lot of people don't even might not think about it, though. But I mean, when you're down there in those leg entanglements and you're trying to hold someone there, that takes a lot of effort. You're mm-hmm. using your legs, you're using your arms, you're straining. He was, he fully was cranking on some of those submissions. Yeah. Like, you're squeezing, just static energy being used up. And you mix that in with the takedowns and then you add in the body shots. Yeah. I, I, I am 100% uh, convinced that. Uh, he was exhausted beyond belief. So those body shots were even, they were just amplified. That's fair. It was just, I mean, it's one of those things that as a viewer, there's no, it, it, it's a risk reward situation. I understand it, but there's no game less fun to watch in MMA than the pull, the, the flop to guard fighter. You know, I, I personally like it. I think yeah. it's fun because it's it's uh you know it's a spectacle it's like the clown yeah. shoes side of things it's the freak show stuff if you're butt scooting in an MMA fight that makes me smile I think it's funny that's because you're a weird dude and I like I want to see that cat and mouse game like can you I, I mean I don't hate game? I don't hate it in like I don't hate it as a technique once or twice but like when it becomes one of these I mean it's, it's one of those things where when I start to see it more and more, I actively want to see that fighter pay the price for it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I like, know I, I know exactly what you mean. My mind just bends to, like, man, I hope you really get punished for this. And, like, I don't think that about any other techniques. I'm never like, oh, you shot on somebody. I hope that you get knocked out because you went for, you know, you went for a takedown. Or, oh, you know, you're only outside, ba-, like kicking and kickboxing from range and not sitting down on anything and on your bike. 
like I, I will I will excuse almost anything, but somehow my mind in that that particular thing is just like I hope you lose. Terribly. Yeah, I mean that's how I used to feel about laying prey. Yeah. I was just like, man, I hope they get up and knock you out because <laughs> this is boring. Fair enough. It is not boring. I will say that. It is not a boring thing to see somebody uh flop to guard over and over again. It is a it is a hilarious clown choose thing. No, I mean you know, even this is probably a good good day to say it because this is the one of the anniversaries of the UFC, right? Didn't they debut November twelfth in ninety three? Mm-hmm. Uh, even even uh, Hoyce Gracie was hitting takedowns without flopping. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, guy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird though when when someone kind of devolves into like a one trick pony like that. Yeah, but he had the moment he wanted. He just couldn't convert. Yeah, so, Hooker too smart for him. So too I, high IQ and, and and the experience of Hooker, like he's fucking yeah. off mofos. Like I feel uh, like Hooker was kind of undervalued in this fight. Yeah, that was a big thing for me coming in picking this. I'm just like this game that Puelas is is working. It you know he's gotten it to work on like you know 50 Clay year old Guida. Clay Guida who's who's very submittable. And Clay Guida Jr., Chris Gritzmacher. Um, and, but like, Jordan Leavitt was able to just like hang out with him and have the world's worst fight. Yeah. You know, I trust Dan Hooker to be as prepared as Jordan Leavitt. Well, yeah. And like, look what he did to Gilbert Burns. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Look what he did to Jim Miller. Yeah. He beat Paul Felder, Ally Aquinta. These are good, solid names. Yeah. He's only losing to top, top, top tier fighters. Yeah. No. And Puelas is Puelas just wasn't proven. Yeah. Coming into this, so absolutely not. He's got some growing to do. So I, I hate doing this because it's just it goes against all of my my. Uh, card matchup mojo and how I like to do my post fight fights to make and all that kind of stuff. But it really does seem like the fight to make out of this is hooker Moicano, right? Oh yeah. Like is uh, just right there, isn't it? It's asking to be made same. It is. I hate matching people up off the same card. It's so, so lazy as a matchmaker because they're just the people that you've seen right there in front of your eyes that day. But they're in, a, they're in a really similar place in their career. They've taken some bad losses. They you know, are now rallying back, coming off big wins. And uh, let's just jump over to this Moicano fight against Brad Riddell. Because- well, real quick, though, Zane... Um- and there would be uh, a little retribution for Dan Hooker since his teammate is Brad Riddle. Yeah. Riddell? Riddell. Riddell. So let, let's let's jump over to this Hanato Moicano fight here because who is this version of Hanato Moicano? Who is this post-fight version of Hanato Moicano and where did this guy get born? Cause like, have, you, have you ever seen that movie uh, Get Out? <laughs> yes, yes. I think someone uh, transplanted themselves into Hanato Moicano for the post-fight speech. Seriously, like just swearing up a storm, being like, 
to not talk. Moicano wants money. <laughs> yeah. like referring to himself in the third person. Just See, that's how I know someone was implanted. He didn't say, I yeah. want money. He says, Moicano yeah. wants money. Was that Abdelaziz? Was that that guy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was fun as hell. Oh yeah, it was it was it was hilarious, but I don't I don't recognize that dude from the guy who's been fighting all this time in the UFC. Um, this was an awesome fight for him. Like Moicano, just he stayed sharp on his low kicks and his jab, and he let Riddell walk into his strikes because I mean that's the thing with Riddell is he's a great counter puncher. But Riddell is also the kind of counterpuncher who will always try to initiate the offense that he's then going to counter. You know, he wants to, he will walk you down and throw punches so that he can slip the the, the return and then counter with his own. And what kind of just caught him, kept walking in over and over and over, just stopped that process dead. Oh, and, yeah, this was an outclassing. Yeah. Everywhere. He totally outclassed Brad Riddell. Yeah. Can't and say and I gotta say that. this: I can't say enough about the rear naked choke of Moicano. That thing is yeah. vicious. If he gets to your back, you are in serious jeopardy. You are especially in serious jeopardy if you don't even start to fight the hands a tiny bit. Like I know Riddell wanted to not get flattened out, so he's trying to keep himself like postured up in a kneeling position. But you got bigger things to worry about when the arm is already under your chin, like. You gotta at least, at least try to fight the hand a little, any of them. But yeah, in a perfect world. In um, a perfect world, but I mean, you know, you can also say once Moicano is once you're that far into the rear naked choke, you, why defend? Like, <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But. Just accede to the loss. Just accept that <laughs> you've given up your back to Hanato Moicano, and you've let an arm, his arm, slip around your neck. You yeah, have you know a... what, Zane? He should have just respectfully tapped from the back mount. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, oh, you got to my back? Uh, you know what? Yep. You got this one, bud. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Live to fight another day. Discretion is the better part of valor. That's true. That is very true. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was just an outclassing. Yeah. Moicano is just that dude. Yeah, he, apparently today he was, and I'm in, I, I'm love to see it. Like I say, I want to see him fight Hooker now because – you know, these are both dudes who have had fights where they have not been the fighter they looked like today, and they look great today. So, yeah, I'm here for it. All right. That speaking of walking dudes onto shots and just totally outclassing them, Ryan Spawn, Dominic Reyes, and, uh, not the fight I thought Dominic Reyes would have. No, I don't think it was the fight anyone expected Dominic Reyes to have. No. He's he's not I don't know if anyone's fallen off harder than him. Right? Man Seriously. He bolted his way to title contender status. You know, we're talking guys who ran up the ran out of the gate and into being top class fighters. Uh Reyes, he debuted in 2014, fought John Jones in 2020. Six years is a pretty, that's a pretty short window to become champ or to become a title contender who could arguably have been champ. And we're two years removed from that now. And it just feels like 
Yeah, he hasn't won since. Yeah, he hasn't won since, and he's been finished three straight times now. And Blahovich and Prashaska, you know, they're the elite of the elite. Ryan Spahn, the way he looked tonight, maybe he is too. Maybe training for the first time in his career was a really good move. I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily support that all the time. Seems like a lot of work to do. <laughs> um, to train, to do yeah. a fight camp more than three weeks. Yeah, I don't know. Who does that? I don't know. Saps. Saps, <laughs> yeah, suckers. He looked great, though. And um, But you can't. Light heavyweight, we've talked about this a lot. Light heavyweight is not a division where you can go out and get knocked out all the time because everybody you fight in that division will knock you out. Yeah, no, this puts uh, this puts Reyes, Reyes in a really bad spot. He got knocked out with a super jab. Yeah. A super jab. I got to call it a super jab because Ryan Spann's nickname is Superman. Yeah, yeah. I'll, it's the super know, jab. But I'll, not only... Not only did he get knocked out, but he got knocked out in like the goofiest way possible. Like he he got knocked out in 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 uh in like a cartoonish kind of way. Yeah. I I, I don't know, man. He might ha- he might have some uh, bare knuckle boxing in his future. Oh God. Like what else do you do with him? So do like I know they don't pay anything, but I do do like Polaris or something. I don't know. I don't want to see. You want him grappling? Dominic Reyes? Yeah. Over bare knuckle boxing? <laughs> Maybe yeah. Bellator. Maybe Bellator. Oh, I don't know. The UFC will. I think the UFC will keep him if he wants to keep fighting it. You know, we're, we our producer dropped a statement that Dana White's saying that. Reyes hasn't been the same, but we'll see what he wants to do with his future. And, you know, that's kind of the Dana talk. But that's also, like, Reyes isn't Chuck. If the UFC just wanted to cut him, they could just cut him. You know, sure. there's no, like, this isn't some MMA superstar that the that the UFC will be detrimental to lose. They, But if he wants to keep fighting, they'll probably find another fight for him. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it's happened in the past. Yeah. Plenty of people have gone on four fight losing streaks and continue to get fights. We just Played. saw Carolina Kowalkovich. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Sam Alvey, where's yes. he at? <laughs> That's right. We could do bring Sam Alvey back. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. the fight or Dominic Reyes need to fight. Uh man, what a crazy, crazy fall from grace. Right. So on the flip side, though, Ryan Spawn looking super sharp. You know what fight has to be made right now unquestionably i know he called for he, he essentially called for a title shot but uh prashaska's you know he, he's got his fight already and then we've got blahovich fighting on kalayev and it seems really likely that either of them would be getting the title shot first i would say like the heat of krylov no 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 jamal hill mm, yikes that's right there Two huge snipers with a ton of range. We got to see it. Yeah, no, that's that would be fantastic. Headline of fight night. Yeah. And the winner of that fight, like, if either of them puts on a show in that, because Blahovich and Ankalaev, they are top-tier, world-class, championship-level fighters. But they're not always thrillers, always. Sure. If... You know, Spawn and Hill put on an absolute war of a firefight. One of them gets a big knockout win or something like that. 
I would be less happy or less upset to see them jump in line. Like, you know, go out, declare your own number one contenders bout for a title shot. It just can't be Dominic Reyes coming off three straight losses. Man, I'm like, I'm, uh, I'm still trying to wrestle with this Dominic Reyes thing. Right. Because it's like, well, is it that bad? Like, okay, you lost to John Jones. Okay. Who didn't you lost, you lost to Jan, like former champ. Okay. Yep. Yep. Many people lost to him. Yeri, current champ. A lot of people yep. lost to him too. So it's like, well, those losses aren't uh, aren't exactly that bad. And that's why I picked Reyes going into this because I was looking at those. I'm like, but wait, saying, but the way he's getting knocked out. I yeah, that was yeah. That's the cause for concern. If these were decisions, I can be like, ah, oh, he's just fighting the best of the best using you know, relying on his athleticism to carry yeah. carry him and make up for, you know, what he lacks technically uh, against people who, you know, have athleticism and are also that technical. Yeah. Um, but to, should, yeah, like, I just help me, Zane. Help me come to terms. You know, we look at Volkanovski out here. He's lost a few fights lately, but they're almost all decisions. You know, Krylov, Ankalaev. Right. Reyes, like he may not be the elite of the elite at light heavyweight, but you can put him in another fight, and you're like, oh yeah, Volkanovski Uzdemir will go out and he'll compete in that fight. Yeah, right I'm, now I'm the concern for the safety of Reyes. Yeah, I mean, because that's you know that's what I tried to lead off talking about this fight with is that light heavyweight isn't the division to start having durability issues. No, it's it is. Everybody in that division, it is the division for guys who, had they made better life choices, would have been getting NFL money instead of UFC money. You know, right, right, it's, right. Ryan Spawn is six foot five and 205 pounds with an 81 and a half inch reach. Like, this is a dude who absolutely would have been an ideal athletic candidate in many other sports had he his life not led him towards cage fighting. Sure. Look at John Jones. Yeah. He's got brothers in the NFL. He exactly. absolutely could have been a star athlete in, like, in one of the big sports. Yeah, and that division is full of dudes like that. I mean, Dominic Reyes himself, you know, he's six foot four. Somebody changed his wiki nickname to Glass John. That's really cool. <laughs> Yes. Um, That's so horrible. Yeah. The internet is so undefeated. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, it's just, <laughs> you he know, got knocked out with a super jab. It's it's a division full of dudes like that, full mm-hmm. of big guys who are really fast and who hit really hard. And if your chin starts going in that division, everybody's gonna crack it. You know, we see this. We've seen this with Johnny Walker too. Like, yeah. Okay, kidding. Are we doing Dominic Reyes versus Johnny Walker next? I was just thinking that too. <laughs> yeah. Walker's uh, coming off of a win. No, he's not. He's coming off of a uh, loss to. No. Or is he? No. I thought he just wrestled his. Oh, you're right. He did, he submitted Iwan Kudalaba. Yeah. Yeah. I kept thinking. I was just thinking that Jamal Hill, the uh, the jumper knockout where. But even so, like, yeah. so what? Still put they, you can put them together. Yeah, you can. But, I, I mean, maybe Reyes doesn't want to do this anymore. He, I mean, 
if he's clever, this would be the this would be the time to get out. You know? Right. I mean, he just took a year off because he's like, my head's not right. This is this is the sign. This is God giving you the sign that it's still not right. You know. Yeah, we'll see him in Eagle FC in a month. I know. He'll be fighting Bigfoot Silva over in uh, Poland. Okay, or okay, okay. We're talking about flyway <laughs> about Aaron Blanchfield, Molly McCann. I'm sure you knew going in. I knew going in. Molly McCann is a very fun, popular fighter. She talks a great game. She is thrilling when you put her in with another pure striker to just mix it up with. But she's not going to ever be a title contender in the UFC. And and this was the reality check on that. Yeah, I mean, we like you said, we all knew this. Um, yeah. But that's okay because she doesn't have to be. No. She, she's going to make good money just doing what she does. And this was a smart fight because Aaron's yep. on the come up, highly talented, on her way to a, a title shot perhaps. So by Molly losing to her, it's not that big of a deal. Blanchfield's pretty damn good. Yep. Um so McCann takes an L, but it's it's to someone of a higher caliber. It'll look like and, a pretty good loss in hindsight. And then, so for McCann's next fight, she can go back to the UK and then get someone coming off a loss so that she'll have a much better chance against, maybe even produce a nice cool finish mm-hmm. and uh, repeat the process, get two dubs under her belt, and then go fight someone else on, yep. on, on the level of Aaron Blanchfield and – just keep repeating it and getting paid doing that she, kind of circuit. She can be the Ross Pearson of the women's flyweight division. Yeah, but way more popular. More yeah, pizzazzed. Way, more, more pizzazzed. Really jazzed up. All right. Um, is that Molly? Yeah, Molly. Molly. She's, she's <laughs> sick of all the talking I'm doing. Well, all no, right. she's, she's a Molly McCann fan. Uh, that too, yeah. You know. The Molly's got to stick together. Yeah, the Molly's of the world got to stick together. All right, that brings us to a middleweight bout. Andre Petrosky, Wellington Terman. And um, I got I to gotta admit that I am just outright uh, impressed by Andre Petrosky here because my read on this was Wellington Terman doesn't actually get submitted. He's, he's really tough to submit, in fact. Yeah. And Andre Petrosky gets really tired. So... Andre Petrosky's going to hurt Wellington Terman early and probably like rough him up and then gas really hard. And Petrosky didn't. He actually lost the first round. And then he bounced back and he just out wrestled Terman all the rest of the way. And he looked like the better athlete. He looked like the stronger dude. And he had the gas tank to make it count all the way through. Yeah. I mean, uh, he was getting pieced up on the feet a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, his striking is still a mess. It's still incredibly well, so wooden. <laughs> yeah. Terman's not exactly uh, Anderson Silva out there. No, nah, but uh, really fight, though. Petrosky had to dig deep. And it looked mm-hmm. like once he got – once he, like, pushed through that initial wall of being gassed, he yeah. found second wind and was able to maintain the rest of the pace. Yep. A consistent just – grueling pace as tournaments started to slow down yeah but i'm impressed because petrosky every fight he's had before this he looks like a dude who just round one is over and that's you know 
he 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 can gut it out of somebody's every bit as gassed as he is, but he is always extremely exhausted. And he finished this fight strong. He finished this fight like a dude who had something in the tank still. Well, he was smart because he he got rid of that the the striking battle. He was like, yeah. I'm not going to win this. It's just going to gas me out. I know I'm gassed, but I'm just going to have to force a, a a grappling exchange here. And yep. You know, uh, Terman is someone who will jump on that guillotine. Yeah. He did that a couple times. Ended up on the bottom. Not the best move. Um, Absolutely not. Trotsky still holding his own as uh, the best grappler. That's at, uh, right. 185 pounds. Called out two dudes who already have a fight booked uh, in uh, Gerald Mearshart and Bo Nickel. But he'll <laughs> uh, be at somebody. He'll fight somebody else. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what he does because he's got the athleticism to be, you know, uh, stay a really dangerous middleweight. It's just getting over that hump of his cardio and, you know, his striking. I don't know that it'll ever improve enough to be like make him a truly dangerous striker, but he. He's got the muscle to hit hard, certainly. So, oh man, he reminds me of someone. <sighs> Who's that bricked up uh, bantamweight? Ah oh, man, he's a wrestler. Like not, uh, not Ricky Simone. He's like on that. Um, not Dvalishvili. No, he's an American guy. Oh, he, um. Damn it. Uh, I know who you mean now. I think. He's he's bricked up. He's a hoss, tireless motor, coming to take you down. Um, it's uh, Cody Stamen. Yes, Cody Stamen. That's yeah. that's who uh, Petrovsky reminds me of. He's got a, a real Co- Cody Stamen vibe to him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see if that shakes out for him. Certainly, I mean, he's already 4-0 in the UFC, so it's it's working so far. All right, that brings us to a lightweight bout. Matt Fravola, Atman Azaitar. Somebody was going to sleep. Mm-hmm. I thought it might be Fravola with his penchant for getting knocked out in under a minute and Azaitar's penchant for knocking people out in under a minute. But uh, it was Azaitar going to sleep and Fravola getting the getting the big knockout in what was otherwise just two dudes swanging hammers at each other. And Frivola was throwing some wild shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was like throwing spinning stuff and just yeah. launching any kind of attack he could think of to close the distance. And yeah. Man, what a brutal, brutal. It was like the second Azaitar was like, oh, I need to throw some offense myself. He, like, mm-hmm. comes forward and they clinch up. And from a single collar tie, Frivola starts throwing his combo. Yeah. Azaitar just never knew what hit him. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a credit to Frivola, too. For You know, I, I figured if this fight went more than a round, I'd have to pick Frivola because he's just a much more dexterous fighter. He knows how to fight in all areas. He knows how to clinch. He knows how to wrestle. He knows how to grapple. He knows how to manage and transition between spaces and all that. And he made it count even earlier than I would have thought, you know? He got that collar tie, and yeah, Zaitar is just not keyed in on, like, what punches are going to be coming at me from this position. So uh, Beautiful. Reminds me of Hendo and uh, yeah. how he knocked out Shogun. Great, great knockout for Favola. Really fun. And 
I mean, I, after what he called out Patty Pimblett, didn't he? That's right. Yeah, he did. He's not getting that fight, but no way. <laughs> Be a fun one. He's not. It's not going to happen. All right, that brings us to a woman's strawweight bout: Carolina Kovalkovich or Kovalkovich against uh, Silvana Gomez Juarez. And uh, Kovalkovich getting getting the early takedown, getting the grind going. I thought that would be her big secret to winning, but she couldn't get another one the whole rest of the fight and ended up just being the more aggressive uh, sort of volume fighter going into the third in, out of the third round. Yeah, lots of jabs, lots of just willingness to go after it. Yeah, just seemed like she wanted it more. Nothing was shying her away, even though she got hit with a couple overhand bombs. Yeah. But I think the longer the fight went, the more the fight favored the fighter who was throwing the straight punches. Yeah, and also, you know, who's been there, who's been a title challenger at a really high level before, who knows what like what it means to have to win late in a fight. It's just a very... I, the real The real story here is... How long it took for the decision to come in? Oh God, yeah. And like the the athletic commission it. enters the cage. He's got his pen out. They're doing corrections, like inside yeah. the octagon on the scorecards. Like, whoa! How are you just altering score? Like, what is going on here? I got very it. very weird. I got to think somebody mixed up who was who, and then realized afterward. Oh wait, no, that was that was the fighter I was supposed to be scoring for. That is a gross human error, and it's, I mean, it's un, unacceptable. That's, that's the only thing I can think of. The only other, th- I mean, the only other thing would just be they accidentally wrote the wrong score on the wrong side for one round, which also could have been. But either way, like you got one job. You yeah, know? it just it doesn't look good, especially you know coming off of last week. We had that yeah. the fight fixing allegations and. Yep. The, the weird betting lines and this happens in a close fight and scorecards are all weird and yeah, just not a good look, not yeah. a good, not, the timing was off. This ain't the time for, for weird things going on with scorecards uh, to, to that degree to where there's officials in the cage with a marker <laughs> Xing things out and crossing things out and circling things and doing addition and not a good look. Mm-mm. But Kovalkiewicz was really happy with the win, so keeps yeah. her in that sort of borders of the top 15 discussion, just sort of especially like a big name for fighters on the rise to try to, to pick off, you know? Right, right, right. But yeah, man, coming back from being down, from losing five fights in a row. Yeah. I think she even retired at one point. She came real close to it, yeah, and then now she's won two in a row, and uh, each win seems like a big moral, a, a big mental, emotional victory for her. You can really see her going through the paces. Yeah, pretty crazy. She, yeah. All right, that brings us to a catchweight bout, a uh, featherweight bout, essentially, Michael Trezano, Sung Woo Choi, and uh, this we got, was... We got the double knockdown. Yeah, slobber knocker. <laughs> Absolute slobber knocker for for four minutes and 50 seconds of the first round. Just every single big shot either of these guys threw, it landed with full power. Was this the first, the first double knockdown we've ever gotten in the UFC? 
No, it's been a long time, but it's not the first. I can't remember one in the I, UFC. I, it has been too long since it happened. Um, like, we're talking like the board shorts era of UFC. <laughs> I remember not too, too long ago, Dorian Price. He was in a Max Muay Thai fight, and he was involved in a double knockdown. And they both hit the deck, and the ref starts giving the eight count, and... It was so crazy because Dorian was able to stand to his feet like a zombie just before the end of the eight count and ended up winning. But what's better than double knockdowns and double knockouts? It's like, yeah, it's like the the golden egg of MMA. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time since we've had one in the UFC. I can't remember when it was. It's been, and unfortunately too, if I do a quick search to try to find like double knockdown UFC uh, all that comes up are videos of this fight because it just happened yeah I was a little worried for Trezano coming in because you know coming off of two losses last fight on his contract yeah missed weight and uh, right before he gets into the octagon John Annick's like oh and he's got a baby on the way and I'm like damn I don't want to see this guy lose <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Like it sounds like the deck is act against him, and he's bringing a life into the world. They, and... they took that that fuck ugly hat away from him, and he was super <laughs> mad about that. I didn't see that. He talked. Yeah, he's like, they took my American flag hat away on Veterans Day. That's not right. That was like his big post fight thing. You seen that that American cowboy hat, the flag cowboy hat that he wears? It's uh -huh. like. <laughs> like macho man randy savage would be embarrassed to wear that <laughs> that cowboy hat nice a stripper would take it off first that kind of cowboy hat oh wow it is literally the ugliest hat in the history okay i actually just looked it up yeah that is not a good looking hat <laughs> it is terrible well good on whoever took it away because yeah yeah so a, a victory for all of us, as well as Michael Trezano. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he looked like he saved his job. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I don't think the UFC would have given two thoughts to to re-signing him if they hadn't if they hadn't put pen to paper on a contract for him before this fight. A loss here would have absolutely ensured that they didn't afterward. What a banger! This was yeah. such a banger. Super fun. All right. That brings us to a bantamweight bout, Montel Jackson, Julio Arce, and um, great fight from Jackson and kind of a terrible fight from Arce, really. Like, I, I feel like it was both at the same time where I'm impressed Jackson just sat down on his range. He stayed elusive. He popped Arce with hard shots. Got, you know, some takedowns and got some con control, did what he needed to just kind of steer this fight away and keep it in control. And for Arce, like, he just could not handle the, the distance at all. Nah, bad fight for him. Really bad fight for him. Because, like, you know, this is a dude who, like, usually, you know, his, he's coming off a performance where he landed a hundred, or he landed 47% of 265 strikes thrown. Mm. Like, high volume, 
high out or like high accuracy fight, just really sharp. He had a similarly accurate performance against Julian Arosa. And, you know, when he's when he's fired and he's at his best, he's really working great. And then this fight, he landed 20 percent of 126 strikes. Yeah, I don't know if that's due to maybe the long arms of Jackson. Yeah, I think it's just. It's just hard to get through that kind of layer. He had to st- start all of his combos at the end of Jackson's jab, and it just meant that it, nothing landed. Yeah. So, good after, fight, Jackson. Bad fight for Arce. No, I mean, after the fight, you could tell he was pissed at himself. Yeah. Like, he knew he messed up. Mm-hmm. But that's the fight game. Yeah, it happens. All right, and that brings us to a light heavyweight bout, Carlos Olberg, Nikolai Negamarianu. And uh, I am I am slowly, slowly revising my opinion that Carlos Olberg might be a title contender in the UFC someday. Like, slowly coming around to this idea that he might be. He has all the makings. He has all the makings, and this was an excellent fight from him. Uh, he looked like, good. Negamarianu is not a clean, he's not a clean technical fighter, but he's a hard dude to beat. You know? He's tough. He's tough. He's t- he is uh, he's one of the most durable fighters in the light heavyweight division. And Olberg just picked him apart perfectly, like in a way that he never got hurt. He never got pressed. He never had to face any of Negamarianu's pressure at all. Just slid away, stayed elusive, kicked the legs, fired the jab, got him over swinging, and then crushed him with that left hook. Yeah, I mean, that's it's like a lot of the stuff that makes Pereira so successful. Yeah. It just having that kind of power and knowing how and when to deliver it is, is really something else. One of the one of the greatest shit builders in the world is Carl Alberg. And yeah. he just makes some really well built or used to make some really well built sailboats, just really just tough and take you anywhere. And here we have Carlos Alberg, and he is just built like a brick shit house. He is so well built for two hundred and five pounds. Like we were saying earlier, how it doesn't take much to run up the division at two hundred five. You just need to be super athletic and yep. be able to knock people out and be have some durability to you. And like, yeah, he got knocked out by. Uh, I, I always brutalize that name. Kenny Yeah, you know. Um, but I think I'm. I think I'm going to look past that. He he faded himself badly out of that fight. Yeah, so that's the thing that we saw. Is Olberg came out. He brutalized Zhukwu and Zhukwu for a round, a round in you know, a minute maybe of the second round. He absolutely whooped his ass. Yeah, and then he gassed out horribly, and the tables got flipped on him. And then the the worry was he came back against Fabio Charant, and he just was try he was in pure pure preservation mode. Right, he was just, he didn't want to gas. Yeah, he didn't want to gas. Staying on his bike, not really getting anything good going. 
just trying not trying to conserve energy. And then he had that fight against uh, Nchukwi, and he just went. He he landed one good shot and then went ham on Nchukwi. And you're kind of like, okay, well, what does that tell me? If if Nchukwi survives, do you just have the the Chukwu fight again? You know, are you preser- are you able to control and preserve and like pick your shots? And this was that fight for me against Nigga Mariano. I know it only went one round, but this was the result of being careful, picking your spots, not taxing yourself, but also landing really consistent good offense. So yeah, I love fantastic this fantastic fight. Excellent fight from him. Good way to kick off the card, too. Yeah. Kind of all a told, sign of things to come. All told, just an awesome, awesome fight card. We got seven knockouts, four submissions, not one boring decision on the fight or on the night. Just just a good, good, solid fight card top to bottom. So what do you think of this saying? Yeah. Alex Pereira not getting an instant rematch with Adesanya. Instead, Fighting Hamza Chemaev. Oh God! You know, <laughs> I mean, nah. Like that just—it would. They're working. Okay, I mean, Chemaev has has been focusing on welterweight. He's apparently staying at welterweight. The thing is, Chemaev would almost certainly—I I feel like he would beat. Like, feel pretty sure he'd beat him. But it's just such stupid booking. Like, I don't know. I would watch it. Well, yeah. I would would hate (laughs) myself for watching it. That's the only other person I could see coming between the instant rematch. Yeah, it's not gonna. They're gonna do that rematch. They're gonna do it. Yeah. All right. You, you've you've given me a quandary. You've made me question my very essence. But in the <laughs> my, meantime, we're my gonna, job we're, is done here, Zane. That's right. We're gonna wrap this up on that note. You can find me on Twitter at the Zane Simon. You can find Eddie on Twitter at the Eddie Mercado. You can find both of us over at bloodyowa.com. Give us a like, subscribe to our podcasts on Bloody Over Presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. And we'll be back in one week's time for UFC Fight Night: Lewis versus Spivak. Thanks everyone for tuning in. See you later. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Bivis Section, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, the Hey Not The Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloody elbow blog and as always on bloodyelbow.com. <laughs>